Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we come back at you with a great Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse, plus also as well, anything that we're doing in the universe, great interviews, tabletop RPG action, and so much more. So go ahead and check it out by subscribing today on YouTube or making sure you like our Facebook page. Because if you like our Facebook page, then you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse. And of course, our good friends at Humanic Comedians and Happy Hoarder Collectibles. Go ahead and check out what's going on and what's for sale for you that you can buy today. You went to Comic-Con or you saw a Comic-Con and you want to go ahead and hear all about the good stuff in pop culture. Well, there was nothing but X-Men talk, Teenage Mutant Ninja talk, DC talk, Power Ranger talk, a whole bunch of talk, Barbie talk as well. So you, there's no better place to go ahead and buy some of those collectibles than right now at HappyHorderCollectibles.com. And if you could like all that, plus our good friends, Melinda and Robbie over at Vampires and Vitae, and of course, Wizards and Wine, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. You know it's the man looking at all the different collectibles that were sold exclusively at Comic-Con. It's a good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at HappyHoarderCollectibles.com. It is Josh the Great, Josh Peterson, munching and crunching his way through today's show. Good to have you here, my friend. Back talking pop culture once again. Sorry, I was just uh, tuning on some uh, goldfish here. But uh, yeah, the... Uh, what flavor? They're just regular cheddar goldfish this time. I had some... Um, of some like cheese it ranch, the zesty cheddar and ranch crackers, absolutely amazing. But my wife likes pretzels. I can't just like yeah. Pretzel flavor, pretzel flavor, pretzel flavor. That's all I'll say. I was asking you if you've ever had Dots pretzels, like the ones that come in like the Southwest seasoning and the original. Absolutely amazing. Anyways, okay. sorry. No, no. I believe me. I love my share of pretzels. Absolutely. I know pretzel.com has been trying to influence me on trying to buy stuff from them. I know they have a lot of different flavors there. So I'm looking at that, but also again, you know, rolled gold is the standby. So, you know, I'm giving a shout out to all the pretzel manufacturers out there, but nothing beats the super pretzel, large, soft, tasty, super pretzel. The salt is just done right oh, you get some nice nacho it. cheese in there mm. uh, there you go i prefer the mustard you prefer the nacho cheese any which way you slice it a good pretzel is a good pretzel indeed but it's going to be a great show we've got for everyone out there today we're going to be talking a lot of great things including comic-con we recap comic-con and how it's not exactly like the comic-con we were hoping it would be for the comic-con so we'll talk about the comic-con later here in the show plus also as well xbox coming off its big win against the FTC, decides to throw a curveball at us, getting rid of Xbox Live with gold. 
What did they replace it with? Kind of confusing. And we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer scored at the box office like no other this year. It's been the biggest weekend of the year for the movie industry. You had Barbie coming out to a record $155 million domestically and over $330 million worldwide, the biggest ever for a female director. And it just really just taking off by leaps and bounds. It exceeded Hollywood's expectations by, well, by over $50 million by uh, some estimations. Oppenheimer, which, again, as I told you before we went on the show, and I'd actually mentioned this on the show, I thought they were going to cannibalize each other especially at the cost of uh, Oppenheimer. That wasn't to be the case because the great hype marketing of the Barbenheimer, Barbie and Oppenheimer concept of going to see both movies, that movie has also overperformed to an $80 million domestic clip, and that also has earned over $150 million worldwide at the box office as well. Both are considered to be really, really big hits as far as their beginnings are concerned. Your thoughts on the big and much needed boost for the industry for Barbenheimer? Yeah, I was actually surprised how many people were going to see this movie. I know Oppenheimer was, um, you know, is a Chris Nolan movie, but like, ten, you know, after remembering Tenet's performance in the box office, I didn't, I didn't imagine it was going to do amazing. Like, same thing with Dunkirk. Like, it's one of those movies that people slowly trickled into. I was not Tenet, I don't it. think you could take really... Because that was okay. The movie was different, but it also came out at a very right not so good time. Right, but remember that was a movie that was supposed to bring people back to the box office. Yeah, that's that was Christopher Nolan. What he wanted you to think it was going to uh-huh. come back to the box office, and unfortunately, yeah, and, you, other things took place that that prevented yeah, it from doing so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the uh, the marketing done for Barbie has been amazing. You know, like yes. I. I I have been going on uh, social media and I've been seeing like photos of like everybody I know dressed in pink saying on my way to the Barbie movie. So something is obviously happening in that movie that's that people are enjoying. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to see, you know, to see the the numbers that they're doing, the money they're bringing in. Op- Oppenheimer hasn't quite surpassed the flash yet, but uh, Barbie is at like what's all the way up at the number 11 spot here. So. Bar, excuse me, Oppenheimer will be doing that by next week, which is tell you tells oh, yeah, you how yeah. sad the Flash is. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's it's very possible to see like I don't know. I mean, maybe Barbie could be the next movie to cross a billion dollars. I I believe it's well it on its legs. way to doing so. Yeah, yeah. has the leg. And then uh, with the disappointment of Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part One, which is a really good movie, and I think people should check that out. I was I was concerned, Josh, because that movie also had a lot of hype, a lot of advertising, a lot of promo dollars to it. And when that movie didn't score well, I had my concerns. And I'm glad to see this was to me, I think, the last possible weekend you were going to see a blockbuster opening for any movie or in this case movies because my friend if it didn't happen this week i'm not sure it was going to happen for the rest of this year i'm honest with you it just i'm just so concerned about the box office industry you know people are coming back and all that but we've seen so many failures i was just worried that barbie and oppenheimer would have the same effect as well 
I mean, look at the movies, right? If we're looking at box office mojo, you're looking at the movies in the top 15 places, right? You have The Flash, Indiana Jones, and The Dial of Destiny, Mission Impossible, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, Ant-Man, Quantumania. All these movies were supposed to be our Indiana summer blockbusters. Jones. Yeah, they were supposed to be our summer blockbusters. The things that like really pumped money and life into the uh, movie industry, but... You know, they haven't quite performed like that. So, um, you know, seeing a movie like Barbie climbing into the top 10 spot is definitely a, uh, I don't know, a sigh of relief. It is. Melinda and I have been going back and forth on exactly what will bring her and other individuals back into the movie theater. She still hasn't gotten back to the movie theater yet, but I think Barbie is going to be doing that and has done that this weekend for a lot of people who haven't been going to check out movies as of late. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry I'm crunching right now. I, I got you in mid-crunch. That's okay. But I will say, though, that Oppenheimer and Barbie just coming off what is, again, the actually one of the best weekends of the year. In fact, the best weekend since Avengers Endgame. It went over $300 million domestically at the box office. If you include all the movies out there, Sound of Freedom, you also include Indiana Jones, you also include Mission Impossible, you include all the other movies that are on there. It went over $300 million, which again, is the biggest weekend since Avengers Endgame, which tells you the power of of what still going to the movies can be all about. Yeah, I think once we see a movie cross, you know, 400 million in its opening weekend, then we'll see like a nearing the return of uh you know the good old days yeah absolutely i see some pink behind you my friend so i will tell everybody out there there are barbie products on happyhordercollectibles.com just go to the mattel absolutely. section you see I, I see actually several barbie products and i have a feeling i have a feeling that the owner of happy hoarder collectibles will be acquiring more barbie products in the near future for holiday gift season i have just just a funny feeling based off the success of barbie <laughs> yeah it's looking that way so it's uh, looking that way yeah absolutely but my friend obviously it's going to lead into what the studio will want next for barbie which is going to be a barbie sequel and so on and so forth which is just the way how this works but i have a feeling the reason why partly as well that these movies did so well this weekend and why Mission Impossible may not have done as well is, again, if people are going back to something, they want to go back to something newer and fresher. And Barbie and Oppenheimer do not have any longstanding uh, platforms or franchises or IPs that they have to go off of. These two are their own standalone movies. And in order to go ahead and succeed, I think that's partly the reason why is that people were looking for a fresh movie to go back to and they found two of them this weekend yes absolutely also it was very hot outside like all over the place so i imagine going into the movie theaters with a nice air conditioner and a cold beverage and maybe an icy like i i have a feeling that might have contributed a little bit but a cold nine dollar beverage and a ten dollar icy <laughs> a cold ten dollar icy a nine dollar small coca-cola something like that i did get a chance to check out barbie this past weekend with the girls i do recommend it it's a it's to me it was very good and my daughters absolutely loved it absolutely have nothing but great things to say about it 
which warmed my heart just to come out of there and just see that they had a very positive experience with the film. I thought it was very good at Greta Gerwig, who is now going to be one of the hottest names out there in the directorial market, if she wasn't already, is definitely uh, seeing a lot of great success from it. Just the way that they were able to go ahead. Josh, I won't give away too much as far as the detail. Uh, it's kind of like a Pinocchio type story. I, I, I equate it to as far as some similarities in its structure. It also very knowingly talked about the different waves of popularity over the decades for Barbie, both for and negatively about how people have thought about Barbie in the beginning when there was a backlash about what Barbie represented. And then, of course, we come to what today overalls. So I think that that it was very complimentary of them to go ahead and be able to address those things as far as Barbie's past and where it could go from here. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Barbie definitely has a cultural footprint that has echoed throughout time. Yeah, I mean, where Barbie came from was not, you know, what Barbie originally was might not have been like the most, uh, you know, family friendly type of thing. But now, like, look at it like it it Barbie inspires kids all over the world to do all kinds of different things. And there's a Barbie out there for everyone. It, it Barbie has made toys accessible for uh, people of all ages, types, um, you know, even I would say handicaps and skin types and all like there it's, it's, you can't look at what Barbie has done and say that it hasn't done good in people's lives. Well, there was a period of time when Barbie was on the outs with a lot of individuals out there as far as, and they address that. There's scenes where they address as far as how the younger population viewed Barbie at one point in time or the other. And they also go ahead and make sure you know about what Barbie's intent was, what their representation was. And of course, like you said, what Barbie has evolved to now as far as representing so many things to so many people. I don't recall a time. I mean, I never like collected Barbies or anything, but you are now. <laughs> yeah, for the happy hoarder. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, walking by Walmart too, like going through Walmart and seeing their like middle section with all the Barbie movie stuff in there. Like they they have done a phenomenal job at not just marketing the movie, but all the products surrounding the movie too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I still have like a Millennium Barbie, like right around two thousand, a couple other Barbies. Again, my girls weren't very much into Barbies for whatever reason at the time. They just leaned on other things at that point in time. But they went to the movie with, they were excited for it. They were wearing pink. Uh, they got me wearing a little pink, although actually it was just basically the Squid Game and it had some pink lettering on it. So, you know, Squid Game, what can you do? They led me into, they were excited about it. And that's really what matters. It's just that you're excited. It's event. You talked about before how an event it needs to be an event to get people back to the theaters. Yeah. And that's why I think it did so well is because this was an event for so many different people. Yeah. We, we haven't had any pop culture events in a long time. And this, uh, you know, you, like I said, going on social media, seeing all the people posting pictures of themselves, going to see it, seeing the celebrities going out and posting pictures of themselves, it created momentum for this movie. And I think that it's done, you know, great things for it. What are your thoughts out there on Barbie and Oppenheimer? love to hear your thoughts as you know there's been some great records that were broken this weekend for the box office please let us know your thoughts on barbie and oppenheimer pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get 
your podcast. Well, my friend, before we hit the half hour break, I do want to touch a little bit more on it. And that is, I want to hear your question. Which are you more surprised of as far as the analysts and what they said, as far as how well Barbie and Oppenheimer did? Which are you more surprised about? The money that was made by Barbie well over expectations or the money that was made by Oppenheimer well over expectations, especially internationally for Oppenheimer? I don't know. I'm not really surprised that Barbie made a lot of money. I am kind of surprised that, you know, Oppenheimer, because like I said, Oppenheimer is, you know, Chris Nolan movies are traditionally like they're slow burners. You know, they make a lot of money, but it takes a little bit of time to get there. So, um, yeah, I know I'm I'm excited to see the money that that both did. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone really saw either of them doing or being as successful as they were. When it comes to Oppenheimer, the reason why I say that is because, of course, who Oppenheimer is and how important, uh, you know, this was something we kind of talked about on the Friday show, how important this individual is to human history as a whole, whether you like it or don't like it. And, you know, whether you just have to recognize that he is the creator for all intents and purposes of the atomic bomb. And just the fact that, you know, what surprised me is not only the fact that people were willing to go ahead and, and check this out on and to find out and learn more about this man who history and, and something we really don't talk about too much. We, you, when you go to history books, you read over, you know who made it, you know who created it, you know what it ended up doing, you know the damage it caused and, and the after effects of it. And now the age of, of, of what we have as far as, you know, the nuclear equation and all this but you didn't ever you never really talked about the man himself you talked about oppenheimer and the legacy that he has and the legacy that that was oppenheimer go into it this touches a great deal upon that i was very intrigued to see as far as how many people were interested in it not just because it's a nolan film not just because it's an all-star film just because the fact of the subject matter but the thing that surprised me, as I mentioned before, is the international audience that is going to see this film. That surprised me even more. That it actually parallels the the above aver the above expectations that was made here in America. That was also made above expectations everywhere else it was being played. Yeah, that is interesting. However, I feel like you know with the films, historical films especially, like there is always going to be an audience all over the world for movies like that. Like I, you know, even look at it, looking at Ridley Scott's Napoleon film. Like I think that that is going to do amazingly overseas too, because people like to see how history is interpreted by different people in different places. Uh, Oppenheimer obviously was a, you know, the time that that was happening was a very dark point in our history, but you look at it and, um, you know, these people were under the impression that they were going to end up saving the world. And, uh, you know, that's just such an interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just such an interesting clash of ideas there. And, uh, you know, I think that that is what what drives a lot of people to it, because like everyone knows what his work was used for. But nobody really, you know, like you said, nobody really knows much about the man and what drove him. So now the search begins, my friend, for more original IP for such as Barbie and Oppenheimer, my friend, 
it's easy to go ahead and look out for one, you know, an idea, a concept that might resonate with audiences. It's just something else though, that you want to bankroll a hundred to $300 million like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer are not cheap movies. And Barbie, uh, Blue Magic, thanks so much for watching. We truly appreciate it. I, As I said earlier, Barbie is a, a really, really good film. I enjoyed it. And the most important fact is my, my daughters really, truly enjoyed it. They thought it was a really fantastic film and I thought it was really good myself. But the thing is, as far as creating these type of movies, because you have always, more than anybody I know, cannot stand the continuous love of Hollywood for franchise films. Yet they're they're like safe. They're they're safe material for these Hollywood studios to go back to. We now have a weekend where we have not only one but two original properties to go off of. It, you know, you can find all these original stories that are out there, but it's really hard to go ahead and make them connect with audiences and to really think that you're going to spend a hundred, three hundred million dollars making these movies and think they're going to pay you back. Whatever you do now with Hollywood, you're taking a risk because, you know, the landscape is so unpredictable. You don't know, like, what people want to watch, what people are going to go, you know, take the time to leave their houses to go see. You know, Barbie is Barbie's great. But, you know, what a problem I, I foresee with Barbie is having a bunch of spinoffs, you know, of different like Barbie characters. And, which you will. Mm hmm. So I guess, like, how far will they take Barbie's success is the question here with the marketing campaign, the marketing campaign literally sold itself by just making sure pink would be just inundated, you know, throughout their advertising campaign. So that was part of it easy, but obviously getting the word out, that's the harder trick, but yeah, just getting this kind of success is going to be difficult for these, these original IPs to continuously doing. I mean, that's always the reason why they fall back. They fall back on familiar properties Devotion, great to have you here. Truly appreciate it. But yeah, we're talking Barbie and Oppenheimer, the great success that they had this weekend. I really think, though, that it's going to be very reluctant, even for studios looking for that next Barbie and Oppenheimer, to really put their faith in spending $100 to $300 million on an original IP continuously because they don't believe, like I do, that you're continuously going to get these kind of results. No, and it's very possible, too, that this might have just been a, you know, a pure fluke that these two movies did so well. You know, you, you really don't like it. Hit it, hit, you know, have have movies hit that three times, you know, and then maybe there will be something to, you know, the statistics will be easier to read. But, yeah, it's also very possible that this, you know, these two movies are just pure flukes and it, it might not happen again. And that's one thing I would worry about because, again, you know, you and I both want more originality in our films, more original properties that we can go ahead and see instead of just the same formulaic you know, action, the same formulaic numbers, just a sequel after sequel after sequel. I think that's why, again, part of the charm for Barbie and Oppenheimer was there. But uh, Tears of Joy says Barbie looks like it would give me a headache. You know what? Tears of Joy, I can just tell you nothing. It was a great time. It was a great experience. There's not as much pink as you think. So if you, I think you should give it a try. I think it's, a, again, a great experience. I had nothing but great time with my daughters catching it. And again, if you want to go ahead and take a look at, and as far as see and understand Barbie, how Barbie has been interpreted through the years, I think the movie itself does a great thing in doing just that. And Oppenheimer, Nothing but great reviews for it. It's actually one of the best reviews movies of the century. So 
I'm really looking forward to catching that. It's also, Josh, as well, Barbie was clocked in just under two hours. Oppenheimer is clocked in around the three-hour mark. That's different approaches about how things can go ahead and take place. And as you know, the two-hour movies are better suited for more box office, just simply of the fact that you can put out more showings in a different day, you know, in a in a course of a of a day that you could go out more showings, more showings, more showings than than Oppenheimer. It's interesting to see that Barbie obviously got it over 155 million dollars domestically and 330 million dollars worldwide, but Oppenheimer at an hour longer still didn't do bad. It still didn't do 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 too bad itself. You know, it's funny with uh, you know Chris Nolan movies. You know that you're gonna be your butt's gonna be in that chair for a little bit over two hours. You know, you like everyone that goes to see a Chris Nolan movie knows exactly what they're getting into. Yeah. What's your favorite Christopher Nolan movie? Oh, I actually I like Interstellar. That's it's it's hands down my favorite Chris Nolan movie. Gets kind of off in that third act though. Yeah, it does, but like the whole movie is is so engaging. You know, whereas like Inception was cool, but it was it was a lot of motion, but Interstellar like the whole time they're challenging your your senses, like all of them. And I li- I, really I liked just- Interstellar. I think the first and third act are kind of one first act kind of draws itself out, third act kind of gets a little weird, but overall I think it was a good picture as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a great film, and you know we don't have a lot of movie like science fiction, space travel movies out there anymore. So I definitely appreciated it. Absolutely, a second act, like you said, when they're actually exploring the very the planet and the various, and you know, trying to solve exactly how they can go ahead and and save humanity. That part of it, I think, really resonated with me as well. Inception, I think, I like better than you. I just like the concept and and. Again, it's for some, it could be a little bit hard to follow, but I, I really think that for me, it was kind of good. And of course, The Dark Knight, you know, a lot of people talk about that as being one of Christopher Nolan's crowning achievements in the superhero genre. So absolutely. And he's talked about in recent days about, you know, possibly helming a James Bond movie and said that would be an honor for him to do as well. Yeah, I saw too, he had said no more superhero movies, but he's not um, opposed to the idea of doing a Star Wars film. Interesting. Absolutely. I would love to see him delve into that. And then, of course, James Bond. I would love to see his take on that as well. Interesting that he's embracing these franchises as opposed to shunning it. You know, uh, when somebody reaches a level of success, let's say like a Scorsese or, you know, a number of other individual directors, great directors out there that have achieved a certain level of success, they, they kind of thumb their nose to these franchise films or to these franchise opportunities. And I think that's actually really great that Christopher Nolan is not shying away from it because it sounds like to me, he it's, it sounds like he's an actual everyday movie fan when he talks like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The thing I, I do wonder though, like if he were to do something for house of mouse, you know, star Wars, for example, how much freedom would they give him? Like Aladdin was not a great movie, but it had like, known director behind it guy Ritchie, and from what i understand like so much of that movie got cut out same thing with star wars rogue one and then rogue solo one, yeah. mm-hmm. and solo they changed directors you know simply because of the creative differences i don't think christopher nolan would go into it uh it with you know any blindness i think him and disney would probably have an understanding and kathleen kennedy in charge of lucasfilm 
they would have an un, they would have an understanding before he went ahead and approached a type of Star Wars film. Oh, they'd have to, yeah. And he he's definitely someone that would walk off the set like if things got too uh you know controlled. Absolutely, but him doing a James Bond feature that would be really be interesting. Great. Yeah, I'd yes. love that. Absolutely. So we're just throwing out the ideas there, hoping that he will actually go ahead and pursue those challenges. I'm not betting on it, my friend. I, I'm not betting on him getting back into franchise films because he's doing well now with Oppenheimer and doing well with studios, even with Tenet and how that turned out. But he's doing well as far as being able to produce his own original films, his own original IPs, and not having to rely on jumping into a franchise film. Yeah, and that's something he's always really succeeded at, though. Everyone wants to see, like, Batman, I think, was the first franchise he'd ever done. But everyone yeah. wants to see the next Nolan movie. What's he doing? Interstellar, Dunkirk, Memento, I think, was a... Inception, his, yep. Memento Inception, was... A, yeah. That's that's the one that put him on the map. Have yeah. you seen Memento? That is a trip. Yes, yes, I have seen it. I love it, but uh, it's not something that I feel any need to go back and watch again. It is something that if you're a connoisseur of the arts, per se, I'd say you go check it out. I'm not sure if you're a regular everyday fan, you're going you're gonna to be able to enjoy it or sit through it as, and, and enjoy it as much. But if you really like the art aspect inside of it, which he does, uh, I really think Memento is a good film to go ahead and check out. Absolutely. If you're someone that li that like browsing the shelves at Blockbuster looking for like something interesting to watch memento is definitely a movie you'd enjoy memento indeed but it is barbie and oppenheimer scoring huge numbers at the box office how excited are you going ahead to check out barbie and oppenheimer i enjoyed barbie and looking forward to going ahead and checking out oppenheimer please let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, one half hour down, my friend. One half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Truly appreciate it. Before we head on out, my friend, got to mention some stuff went on at Comic-Con. And you mentioned Blockbuster Video, a favorite of yours. You even have the shirt. I wanted to go ahead and talk to you about Lego actually had a booth that was created to be a representation of Blockbuster Video and actually had Blockbuster Video on the sides. Your thoughts on that from Lego? I did see that, and that was really cool. I haven't actually gotten to see any pictures of what the inside of the booth looks like, just the outside. Just brings back memories for a lot of people out there. I know that just a shame that that we no longer have those things like Blockbuster Video, Hollywood Video, and the like, those video stores that, for the most part, they are done with. But, yeah, I'm looking at it now, Josh, looking at it on the screen. It is, does have the exact same type of shelving that you're used to, my friend. Yeah, I know, and I, I I could see in the background their product lined up on it, just like their old VHS tapes. That's really cool. Absolutely, and all the uh, <laughs> all the movies that were said they they were available, but then you go up to the counter and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, this has been rented out, sir." I know, and you hover around the return box. Can you check now? Yes, yes. Can you check? Is it there? Is it there? Yep. Oh. The joys of going to Blockbuster. Absolutely. So. 
I will tell you though that Comic Con, it was still extremely well attended. Of course, you know you spent so much money in advance, you're going to go to mm-hmm. Comic Con. It wasn't attended by a lot of members that are related to SAG and AFTRA because of the SAG AFTRA strike, which again put a huge dent in Comic Con this past weekend with all the the individual companies and representation like Marvel, DC, and the list goes on and on of individuals that companies that did not go to Comic-Con and Hall H this year. How disappointed were you as far as the results of that and, and the after effects? There were still a lot of pop culture properties that were there and we'll talk about that, but how big of a hit was that overall for you this year at Comic-Con? I don't know. This was the, the first year that I hadn't like sat on the, the like the computer waiting for things to be announced because like there really was not i kept looking i was like hey what's what's going on at comic-con and it just very slowly very slowly things were trickling out and i don't know it just it, it did not have the same excitement level that it did before because normally you know we're watching the marvel and dc panels and things like that it was saying like looking at like oh hey what is what's coming out what what little morsels are you going to give us to to tide us over but there's really nothing you know like we all knew there's another season of of Invincible, more uh, more Walking Dead, and the boys stuff. Like there really wasn't like the Borderlands thing. They announced the movies coming, like the the date of the movie. There really was not anything like exciting here that I walked away thinking like, oh man, I can't wait for that to happen. And this is again, as, as I talked to you before the show, that these are all the major news items that you saw here that were happening this past weekend were. Basically, the stuff in a normal year at Comic-Con are just filler. Even the Spider-Man, as far as the, the story trailer that was put out there and the announcement of a, you know, the, the PS5, PlayStation 5 DualSense controller and actual PlayStation 5 Spider-Man 2 themed console, which actually looks pretty good. I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan per se, but I know someone like you might be attracted to it. Yeah, no, I mean, that stuff is all well and cool and like the the spider-man trailer that they put out there for the game i just it it it, nothing wowed me there you know there's there's nothing that kind of like maybe i did enjoy a lot of the collectibles being pushed out but you know for the most part i i don't know i'm just not interested and that's a shame because again with comic-con is supposed to be the major pop culture event of the entire year and Due to the SAG after strike and what's going on, I see events like this being affected for the near future for quite some time. Actually, I, I don't see the SAG after strike going away anytime soon. No, I definitely don't either. Like, there's, there's n- nobody on either side seems to want to talk to anybody about anything going on. So, uh, yeah, it's affecting movies. It's affecting, uh, you know, public appearances. It's affecting comic cons. Uh, you know, this this definitely something like this would definitely have the potential to, uh, you know, ruin a Comic-Con like these people pay all this money to make these things happen. And then, you know, you have all these people not show up to it is can, can be financially detrimental to a, you know, an organization like that. So I ask you, my friend, when you see the list of things that happened, again, you talked about what went on a little bit with Marvel. They debuted the trailer for the Marvels, but outside of the section there that they did make some announcements on on some upcoming changes to and upcoming additions that they're making to their comic book line, 
you did get a chance to see the trailer for the upcoming movie, The Marvels. And then you also saw with what's going on with The Walking Dead with Daryl Dixon. Uh, you also saw Dead City was renewed for second season. Both of those shows were. And then you got to see, finally, a little teaser, which is coming up for next year. Rick Grimes finally coming back. So you're, you're going to see the two big stars for The Walking Dead finally live out. This was once supposed to be a Rick Grimes movie a long time ago, a long, long time ago, back when it was going to be, what, 16, 17 million viewers each and every week for The Walking Dead watching the show. It was going to be this Rick Grimes movie, this big event that we were, that the, you know, the, appeased the fans of The Walking Dead. Now it has turned into a mini series, a small limited series coming next year to AMC. And it's not even titled Rick Grimes, or it's not even titled Rick and Michonne. It's just titled, uh, you know, something else that really, it just seems like all the, the steam has come out of that part, part of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be surprised to see like what, how many people tune into this because I, I feel like all the steam has come out of just that franchise in general. So how, uh, you know, how are they going to get people interested in this new, uh, this new product that's supposed to put a, you know, put a bow on the uh, franchise's main protagonist? I would have said The Walking Dead, Rick and Michonne, instead of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. I mean, you've got the return of Andrew Lincoln and Denai Gurira. I don't know how long they're going to stay or how long this series is. I can't imagine it's going to be very long because both have other things that they want to do. And Andrew Lincoln's probably still just like raking in, you know, the money from those wherever The Walking Dead is being played at around the world, except for streaming, where obviously they don't get residuals very well, which is the reason why SAG after yeah. is striking. But, you know, I just think that, again, I, I don't I don't know what they're doing really a whole lot with The Walking Dead. Uh, they earned some decent ratings with Dead City, but it's just not the same with Walking Dead. They should have just called the show Grimes, and I think that that would have been like a pretty spectacular title. Grimes or and Michonne, I think they because those two were, were really a great part of that show. Yeah, or they should have just called it Carl and uh... Carl, <laughs> Carl, 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 Carl. <laughs> uh, Tears of Joy, thank you so much for the appreciate your kind thoughts on that. So I'm going to go ahead and try and check out Oppenheimer. I still got my list. I still got Mission Impossible. I want to go check out. I even still want to check out Indiana Jones. I still want to check out all those in the theater before they go away. I will say, though, when it comes to Comic-Con, kind of disappointed. Again, Arcade 1-Up giving you just another variation of the Marvel versus Street Fighter Capcom type thing as far as what they introduced. You saw a couple weeks ago. They introduced another regurgitation of NBA Jam. I mean, my friend, RK1UP, if they don't change up their policy and on what they do as far as getting IPs, they could be out of business sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, they definitely. Oh, I'm need... sorry. I forgot about the big, the hunting one, the buck, the big buck. Hunting you know, but how game. they already have that, though. It's already, it's been done already. So, but like, they're I... doing it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, they know, make like, larger versions, you know, right. more arcade size. You know, that. But like we talked about last week, there are other properties out there that they can be going after. Like, if I had, you know, I love Galaga, right? And if I had a Galaga arcade, and they're like, oh, but there's a special edition Galaga arcade, 
I don't like Galaga enough to pay another five, six hundred dollars for you know a special edition cabinet. If it's like a, oh, but you mentioned Smash TV and Robotron being together. That as a twin stick shooter, that would be really cool. Right, right. You know, like yeah, there, there, there's a, a ton of things out there that have not been mined for Arcade One Up. They just don't. They just want to go do it. Sell your soul yeah. for Nintendo. If they sold their soul for Nintendo and got the Nintendo arcade games from the '80s. That would do it. That would revive the the home arcade marketplace. I, I mentioned WWF, but that's going to be a not licensing nightmare to get all the, the previous wrestlers and whatnot. So I understand. I get that. But you should go to Nintendo, pitch to Nintendo a partnership. Nintendo could really much do it on their own and make a trillion dollars off it. But if I was Arcade 1-Up before I went out of business, I'd try to go ahead and do just that. Well, or even Sega, like there's a bunch, like if you put Golden Axe on an arcade or Streets of Rage, like there's a lot of properties there that, you know, people would pay for. I would buy a Golden Axe arcade. Absolutely. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, but I, I think that Sega, like you said, even a Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, from the 80s, from, from the original early days of the Genesis days, even if that was reformatted into a home arcade system, that would be really cool with like seven, you know, 15 to 20 different variations of Sonic. I mean, there's so many different variations of Sonic you could put on one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You could have a like Sonic greatest hits collection, you know, that goes all the way from one to 3d blast and and even the the ios sonic 3 that they put out or sonic 4 i think it was but yeah there's there's a ton of content that could be mined there and sega would be more than happy to do it i'm sure because they look for any opportunity they can to put out as many sonic games as they can and it's just a concern because again as as you and i both have home arcade units in the home you've had arcade one up i have arcade one up now it's just a shame to see that this market, this industry, where there's still life for it, if you think about it, it's just, it's not being done. It's not being executed. IR Arcade, you know, like I mentioned last week, they're out of business. At Home Legends, that is kind of like drifted away into nothingness. Yeah, it is just really- ball machines now. Yeah. So it just, and you know, with Stern, Stern is trial, still trying to dominate itself in the, in the pinball marketplace. But when it comes to what you're seeing now with, with arcade one up and all that i just think for the home arcade market there's still properties you can get at which could bring life to the marketplace but they're choosing not to do it yeah absolutely and i you know i don't know why like they don't want to put out the money for it but also like if you're paying money to put out these machines and expecting people to pay five or six hundred dollars for it, that doesn't seem like a worthy investment either no, and if you're Walmart, who's been stuck with a lot of these, who thought it was initially a great concept and they did sell through them well, but ended up eating a lot of them or trying to clearancing out a lot of them, you have to be sold on why is it good to continue to carry arcade one-ups. And if that's the case of you pitching them a Mario Brothers or a Donkey Kong, boom, you've got some sales right there. Yeah, and plus like Walmart's kind of... It making smaller their uh, physical media section. So like what you really have to make that space that the arcade one-ups take on their aisles worth the, uh, you know, the, the price of having them sit there. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just, again, another small part of what we saw and what we heard went on at Comic-Con talking about as well. Some of the great things, again, all the walking dead announcements, all the announcements for John wick and the continental, as far as getting a, the spinoff 
that's going to be coming to Peacock that's going to premiere on September 22nd. So it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see. Talking about what Mortal Kombat 1, which did I already ask you about Mortal Kombat 1? What was your thoughts about going back and forgetting all the numbers and ditching the numbers and going back to number one as a reboot? Now to include Homelander, Peacemaker, and some of the older, more legacy characters as well? Yeah, yeah. I said I, I really like the idea of that. Okay. All right. But these are some of the things that we saw at Comic-Con. Again, some very notable things, but nothing huge. And I think the SAG After Strike really killed it for a lot of, of individuals out there. And a great part of what is every year at Comic-Con was hurt by what happened. So hopefully we can get back on the right track with Comic-Con next year. Please let us know your thoughts on San Diego Comic-Con. It's Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us, because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But it is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And my friend, before we head on out, want to talk about Xbox Games Pass. But first, Devotion has a question. Which subscription platform has the best movie selection? Is it Netflix? That depends on the movies you like. It does. Yeah, I'm going to say Max does. Like, they have a ton of movies that, you know, we were talking about VHS tapes that originally premiered on VHS tapes. A lot of stuff from the 90s all the way up to the mid-2000s. Like, they have an amazing collection of things, especially if you're nostalgic. Absolutely. But if you're more of a sci-fi fan, you like your Star Trek and, and a lot of things that Paramount has put out over the years, mm-hmm. might want to lean towards Paramount+. Plus. Or if you're, like, you know, a lot of family-friendly stuff or kind of, like, cut the kids in the house you know you're going to have to lean to Disney+. Plus. It all depends on your taste. Yeah. But I'd say Max, Max before they started taking stuff off, is was the best streaming for, service yeah. for, for the library. They still have a great library, but it was better before the merger and all that stuff that they had now happened to them since. 
Yeah, I think how much is Max? Max is like what 16, 17 Six, a month. Yeah, they're in that Netflix range uh, as far as the price is concerned. Yeah, but I mean, and that you know, you can always just pay for it and watch what you want, mine the content, you know, and then not pay for another month of it. There you go. But also as well, Netflix, which just reported almost getting another six million subscribers said that the password sharing crackdown didn't harm them much at all. Of course, that's what they're going to tell you. And of course, the numbers are there. I guess the proof is in the pudding and they did prove it out that they've gained another six million subscribers. So the juggernaut as Netflix is still going on, my friend, even though I think their content this year has been somewhat lackluster, it still proves that people love Netflix. People do love Netflix and Netflix puts out like they don't have a bunch of stuff to like keep you there, but they put out enough stuff consistently to make it worth like keeping that subscription going. Yeah, I agree, my friend. Amazon Prime has been dropping the ball through the wire. You're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Josh has had to hear my rants over the years on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime had the opportunity because remember a long time ago, Amazon had a library of just stuff. It was just an extra. Amazon Prime Video was just an extra free option that nobody seemed to care about, that they didn't even seem to care about. And as Netflix grew and passed them up and passed them by as far as on a, on a video scale, they didn't really do anything about it. Then they just realized over the course of the past, what, five years, hey, we've got this thing called Prime Video. Let's go ahead and start making it something worthwhile. They had the opportunity to, to become, number one, Sony Crackle. With the Sony oh, library. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's something I say. If I, I've told Melinda before, if I ever wanted to do a documentary, if I ever had enough money to do documentary, I would love to do on Sony Crackle, what happened to Sony Crackle. All these different entities that had a chance to be the next Netflix that ultimately didn't become the next Netflix and why they all messed up outside of Netflix. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, what happened to it all? Through the Wire says Bezos needs to really invest in Prime. The library is lacking. It's getting better. It's a little better through. I mean, there is some stuff there. Again, with, they've got the stuff from United Artists with, the, with all the Bond movies there. Uh, of course, they got The Boys. They've got, they've got some other interesting things that they've actually thrown out there in the past uh, two, three years. But you're right. It's not anywhere near where it needs to be or near where it should have been for what they have. So, yeah, it's... It's definitely something that they could have gotten a lot more and could have gotten a lot better and have now just finally started to realize the value of having Amazon Prime videos. So they're trying to slowly get behind, you know, in front of the eight ball. They've been behind the eight ball for a time now. So hopefully things will get better with them. But before we head on out, my friend, oh, Heavy Duty says, I can't view it. That's a part of what's going on with Amazon Prime, the capabilities of it. So I definitely uh, agree with you there, Heavy Duty. But before we head on out, my friend, Xbox in its glory of winning the battle against the FTC and possibly someday sooner rather than later, closing the deal finally for Activision Blizzard. They uh, decided to go ahead and drop something. Oh, actually got leaked out, so they actually had to go ahead and drop it there. That Games with Gold, which actually nobody cared about because the games were not really that, they were really lackluster in the past three years as far as really putting games out there that were of any quality has decided to be ditched for a new series of different plans on Games Pass, where you have Games Pass Core, Games Pass Console, Games Pass PC, and Games Pass Ultimate, getting you anywhere from $9.99 to $10.99 to $16.99 a month if you're buying it on a monthly basis. 
Although if you buy it on a yearly basis, it can get you a substantial savings. So seeing that's the case, my friend, looking at it, what were your thoughts on when you heard about it initially? And are you like a lot of people out there that didn't like the confused messaging that's being brought out, especially after the victory by Xbox? Yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of Sony trying to roll out their PlayStation game. Their tears, yeah. Their tears, yeah. That's what it reminded me of, and I, I, I was not a fan of it. You know, I, I love Games Pass Ultimate, and I will continue to pay for it. But you don't need different tiers. Like it, that, that's just that doesn't make any sense to me. You know that you're. Th- th- this feels like a, a money grab. You know, people want to play a lot of these games. They'll pay the you know the fifteen dollars a month for it. It's not. It, it's you don't need all these all these tiers no you don't i don't think you do i think it's a uh, short-sighted of them again i understand getting rid of the games the gold part because it was that was just a service where you're paying x amount a month just basically for online multiplayer and then getting a couple extra games i really am kind of sad to see that multiplayer has to be a feature that's purchased really don't think that's really good at all of, of all these yeah. different manufacturers to do i really think that's a should be a, a right instead of a privilege that you have to pay for as a gamer. But, you know, I again, I'm not at Xbox. I can't make these things happen where it's free multiplayer for everyone. Although it is for free to play games. Think of that, Josh. If you go to your Xbox right now, you play a free to play game. It's free for you. But if you want to play a paid game, you've got to go ahead and pay for that as well. Yes, you do. And I do not necessarily agree with that. And Condor, to answer your question, I am in Texas, Central Texas. My friend, before we head on out, I do want to mention that the different tiers that has created so much confusion as far as in the Xbox realm. Wanted to go ahead and mention that, yeah, it's kind of difficult if you're new or you're interested in Xbox, especially after the ruling. You've got your core Games Pass, which is online multiplayer. You've got a choice of 25 recent titles, like maybe two, three years old in many cases, and then also deals and discounts. That's what's available at the core. The console games pass plant, that's the one I think confuses everybody, Josh, because you don't get multiplayer, but you do get new games on day one, which absolutely just confuses me on that one, why they would go ahead and put that in lieu of core. The PC one where you get... EA Play, you get a whole bunch of games on PC, and then, of course, you get everything as far as the console. I think multiplayer as well on that. They can't regulate that on PC because it's not uh, – that's, that's that's a little bit more broadbanded. But Ultimate, you get uh, – that's the one that you have that has everything and, and as far as online and, and the new games day one. But, yeah, it's very confusing, my friend, especially the console. Throwing out ones that if you don't want to be on online multiplayer – but you want a service that's going to get you those new games, those first party new games from from day one. Yeah, absolutely. And otherwise, why are you paying for it? You know, it doesn't that doesn't really make sense. Uh, you might as well just buy like, well, they don't have game the uh, Xbox Gold anymore. But yeah, it, it just it doesn't make sense to have an online gaming platform if you're not going to uh, you know use it to play games day one. Endorphin, I I'm a huge fan of brisket. Like I get brisket on everything out here like they have. Uh, a taco shop up the street that has brisket tacos. One of the most amazing things I've ever had in my life. There you go. Absolutely. Brisket with everything. So now, now we know what the missus is going to get him for Christmas. Brisket, brisket, <laughs> brisket. There you One go. can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. So your overall thoughts on the Xbox games pass now tears. Uh, again, I just think it's just, 
it was needless. It was needless to go this road. They're trying to cover their basis, but also make sure to try and wean you and lean you over that to that Xbox Games Pass Ultimate. Yeah, I see that they're trying to like they're creating accessibility, but sometimes that much accessibility can be a hindrance to, you know, the overall goal that they seem to have set. I still think that Xbox, uh, the uh, Games Pass Ultimate, sorry, is the best deal out there for streaming games, period. Agreed. Couldn't agree with you more on that, which I know irritates the the higher ups at Activision and Sony and the. They're they're irritated that it is the way it is, but it is the best deal in gaming, bar none. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your thoughts out there on all the different changes to Xbox Games Pass? Are you liking all the different choices, or do you think it just makes it more confusing? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, I've had a great chat room. Appreciate everyone stopping by. I know a lot of you I see at the Lakers fast break and is most appreciated that you went and stopped by the Pop Culture Cosmos. But my friend, Mr. Happy Hoarder Collectibles, any last thoughts before we head on out? Sometime in August, we're going to be dropping Comic-Con collectibles on the Happy Hoarder website. We just can't post them until Comic-Con is over. But yeah, if you're interested in picking any of those up, definitely uh, you know stop by the website. Check it out. Sky Dweller says uh, now they're craving brisket right now, but they have no place to. <laughs> that stinks. I, it it is crazy. Like the only place, like in Texas, everywhere has brisket. But once you leave Texas, like brisket is not so common anymore. Las Vegas has a share of barbecue places, so it's not that hard to find. SoCal, it was. I'd say you're right. It's a little hard to find in SoCal where we yeah. both are from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is Dickie's Barbecue Pit was like the only place I remember that had brisket. Yeah, I agree with you, my friend. You know, Beck loves barbecue, the restaurant in SoCal. I remember that was my first introduction to barbecue as a kid was Love's. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. It's a That's small right. chain back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Lifted, it's funny you mentioned that. If you ask anyone out here for tri-tip, they like laugh at you because that is a California cut and they're not like overly fond of like things that represent California out here. I like tri-tip. All right. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I remember going to Costco and getting like a, a ready-made tri-tip, taking it home and eating it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Can't fault that. Uh, I'll tell you what though, had some great New York steak last night from the hibachi uh, that they made it for us right there. So I always love the show and the performance on that. Hibachi is always great. If you get a chance to go to your favorite hibachi and have some uh, steak, tri-tip, you know, chicken, salmon, fish, just go ahead and enjoy. It's a good time indeed. But Blue Magic says just had trip to tri-tip tonight. There you go. See, tri-tip is still popular, my friend. People like it. People like it. All right. Well, thanks so much again for joining us. It is Josh Peterson and me, Gerald Glasser. Please, if you're interested in buying any awesome collectibles, please head on over to of course, happyhoardercollectibles.com. I'm again, more Barbie on the way with Happy Hoarder Collectibles, indeed. No vegans allowed in the pop culture <laughs> cosmos. Hey, if they like and subscribe, it's okay. It's okay by me. It's okay. I, though I am a carnivore, carnivore indeed. So for Josh Peterson, it's Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day
It's not overhyped. Tri-tip is good, Condor. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. Be safe.